0: Welcome to Locked On NBA Draft. I'm your host, Leif Tuline. On this show, we'll be analyzing different NBA prospects every episode, presenting you with various perspectives on every prospect coming from Locked On NBA hosts and NBA draft experts. Today, you'll be hearing all you need to know about likely top 10 pick Iowa State guard Tyrese Halliburton. For more on Halliburton's strengths and later on in the show, we will get to his weaknesses. Let's head to the host of Locked On Warriors podcast, Wes Goldberg, who is joined by Charles T. Hamilton.
1: And today we are taking a look at Iowa State Guard Tyrese Halliburton and if the Warriors should consider taking him in the upcoming draft. We'll talk about his strengths and weaknesses and then wrap up by talking about his potential fit with the Warriors. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast, part of the Locked
2: On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: I've been talking for quite a while on this show about Tyrese Halliburton and why I think he's such a great prospect in this draft, Charles, but before I get into my spiel, uh, because I've said it quite a bit already on this show, uh, you and I have talked about it a little bit, but this is the Tyrese Halliburton episode. What stands out to you about Halliburton?
3: Well, positionally, it's definitely a need. Uh, Point guard, backup point guard, he does have positional versatility as well, so you could have him on the floor without the ball in his hands, but it's someone who could handle running the offense outside of basically Stefan and Draymond, which is pretty much all they have um, at the moment, at least all that you trust so far. Jordan Poole will still wait and see what happens with him. But right now it's Stefan and Draymond and no one else really. So he would come in, fill a need. Uh, he's also got good size for a point or good height and length. Um Kind of slender, but still at about 6'5", 180. uh, He can defend pretty well right now. Obviously going to need to add some strength, but he's just well-rounded, I think, is the main thing. Good court vision, good passing, good handling, all the things that you would want out of a uh, backup point guard and potentially, you know, a guy who could take over eventually.
1: Um, Look, I I think that that's all that's – Yes, he fits the perfect <laughs> position for the Warriors. You look at what he can do with his length, at six five, with a six eight wingspan. There are some size issues there, but overall, he could play anywhere between I think one through three, and that bodes well for somebody who needs to play next to Stephen Clay. And you just, if you're looking for a guy, if you're the Warriors, you're looking for a guy who can walk in and play right away. Positional fit really matters, right? And if he's ability, if he's got this ability to play positions one through three, well, then that just unlocks a lot of different combinations and gives Steve Kerr the ability to get him on the floor. But what I love about Halliburton is just when you watch these guys in this draft class uh, and you're going through film and doing these things, his basketball feel, his basketball IQ, his maturity, whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. is so much more developed than anybody else in this draft. And he is a sophomore, but he's a young sophomore. I think he's only 20 years old right now. Uh, so he's not that he's not we're not talking about obi top in here, who's already twenty two or anything like that. like he's still young. He's relatively a late bloomer and yet he has this this just innate feel for the game that I don't think um, you could take for granted, especially if you're looking for somebody with a really high upside. I, I I think that when you when we talk about high upside, we so often get so entrenched in uh, forty times in vertical leaps and and you know, wingspans and size. And is this guy 220 pounds, six foot seven? Yes. Great. He's got a high ceiling, but I look at guys who just have shown not only this feel for the game, but market improvement year over year. And that to me is what signifies a high ceiling is because if you're making improvements already from high school to college and within years of college and all these things that, that leads me to believe that you can still get better from them than where you're at right now. And, and there's enough there to work with. Um, he, he's he's going to be able to get on the floor right away wherever he ends up because he's a good spot up shooter. He's a good playmaker, so he could just do stuff on the floor. And I'll just say it again: I'm watching the film with him, and he just looks like an adult out there, right? And you yeah. just you can't you can't take that for granted.
3: Yeah, even though he would come in as a point guard, that would be his position. He you know can handle the offense, handle uh, the ball, but also with if you do believe in his shooting. Uh, which he definitely has shown in college that he can score at all three levels, uh, then he can also play off the ball, solid spot-up shooter. I mean, 42% from three in his in those two years uh, at Iowa State. So it is – one of the things we do when we look at uh, the draft and just free agents, Any any player really, is we try and focus on what they can't do instead of – what they can do, because that's way more important than what they can't do, in my opinion. And I think we kind of overdo it. Where if you look at Tyrese Halliburton, he's a point guard with a great feel, great IQ, fifteen points a game, eighty-two percent from the free throw line. You know, forty-two percent from three. Solid defensively. Like what? Because he doesn't have a forty-four inch vert. You know, people are, are aren't as high on him. So I, I think he's a a good play, a good prospect, a good player, and he's definitely in that group of players that if the Warriors keep the number two overall
1: pick should be in consideration. I had Jonathan Charks on um, from the ringer like a couple months ago and I asked him about Halliburton and he did a huge uh, feature profile in Halliburton going into the season. So really before this, the season was even played. And he talked with I think it was a former teammate. And that teammate told Charks Halliburton's the smartest guy I've ever played with. Um, and just like, and you just, you hear stuff like that all the time when you talk to people about Halliburton and you, and you just know that in interviews and stuff like that, it's going to come off. Well, and I think that's why you see him slowly creeping up draft boards right now is because you do have a lot of scouts and front offices talking with Halliburton during this process. And they're realizing like, this guy's the real deal and the production is there. And when you, like you said, you focus on what is there and what he can do versus what he can't do. So what he's 175, like whatever, whatever, the dude produces, and when you compare that to other people, is he a perfect prospect? No, but you got to compare him to this draft class, right? And there's so many guys, uh, specifically at the top of this draft, who just haven't really been that productive. They're kind of all coulda, woulda, shoulda, right? And Halliburton is not coulda, woulda, shoulda. Halliburton has done it. Um, I think he is. I think he is this draft's Shea Gilgis Alexander. I think he is this draft's Tyler Hero. In other words, I think he's a guy who is not going to leap off the screen for you with athleticism or or vertical time or, or, I mean, vertical leap or 40 time or anything like that. He's just a solid dude who knows what to do with the ball in his hands, knows how to play within a team concept. And and those guys, you know, in the case of Gildress Alexander and Hero, went late in the lottery and yes. in, in really good drafts. And you look at what they're doing for their team for their respective teams right now, and they are building blocks. I mean, Gilders Alexander was the centerpiece of the Paul George trade. Tyler Hero is like a building block for the Miami Heat right now alongside Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler. I think Halliburton in a weaker draft is going to go higher than those guys but could have a similar type of impact for his team and have a similar type of outlook uh, for his career.
0: Coming up next, we'll head back to Wes and Charles on Locked On Warriors to hear more about Tyrese Halliburton. But this time, they'll be explaining and examining some of his weaknesses. But before you hear that great segment, I wanted to promote this doozy of a podcast, Locked On NBA Mock Draft. The NBA draft is just days away, and the Locked On NBA podcast is mock drafting every first-round pick. Listen to the Locked On NBA podcast every day leading up to the draft to hear projections of each pick and expert analysis from Chad Ford, the Athletics' John Hollinger, and Sports Illustrated's Jeremy Wu. Check the feed to catch up on past shows and don't miss a pick subscribe to locked on nba today wherever you get your podcasts you know what could get you through a full draft waiting for your team to pick bilko bilko is a product made by the same wonderful group that brought us the world's fastest growing protein bar built bar bilko is designed to get you through a wall What's your wall? For me, Bilko helps me break through energy lulls when working. I have a Bilko and I'm good to go. Bilko makes you the best at whatever you do, whether it's running, lifting weights, or just working through a long day at the office. Bilko makes you the best at whatever you do. Bilko comes in easy-to-take-around 1.5-ounce packages that you can put in your backpack, your pocket, gym bag, anything you want. Bilko is the top workout gel on the market and comes in delicious flavors such as my favorite, chocolate mint. And it's good for you, too. Bilko is made combining energy gel with collagen protein, which is fast absorbing, which means it gets into your system fast and thankfully it's easy on your stomach too. Visit Bilko.com and use promo code LOCKED, L O C K E D, LOCKED, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at Bilko.com. Let's go. make sure to subscribe to Locked On NBA Draft if you haven't already. And let your NBA Draft loving friends know too. They'll find great analysis on draft prospects from Locked On NBA hosts and NBA Draft experts each and every episode. Speaking of expert analysis, here are Wes Goldberg and Charles T. Robinson on Locked On Warriors to discuss Tyrese Halliburton's weaknesses that could deter teams from taking him in the top five despite his impressive feel for the game and shooting splits.
1: Uh, We went over the strengths in gushing fashion. The weaknesses I think are pretty obvious he weighs 175 pounds wet he's not the biggest at best athlete in this draft and uh and then there's a few other things too but w- what are your weaknesses that you're listing off
3: yeah I mean I, I think you kind of nailed the big ones is how how slender he is and that's something that he can uh work on and, and improve but you know what is he ever going to be a 220 pound defensive stopper no he's he's going to be uh, pretty, pretty small. I mean, you could see maybe the progress that Steph has made in his career uh, to project maybe where Tyrese Halliburton could, could end up, but you know, he's never going to be huge. And also that there is a lack of athleticism and those two things will limit uh, his ability as a, as a primary defender, uh, as a, you know, an on ball defender right. we we've talked about his IQ and, and that can make up for things. But the, the main thing with that uh, lack of size or yeah uh, lack of, Bulk and uh, lack of athleticism is that's going to be the main places where it hurts. And then, you know, it, it it can hurt also when trying to get to the rim and taking taking contact and things like that. But uh they're, you know, th- those are the main problems or main
1: uh, areas yeah. where those those deficiencies would hurt them. And you wonder, you look at his frame and you wonder how much more he could pack on, right? I mean, this is a slender guy. Um, and, and I think one of the comps with him is a guy like Lonzo Ball, who is not a super athlete either, but has managed to carve out a role as this elite playmaker and 3-and-D type of guy. I mean, Lonzo's shot has definitely come along since he was a rookie. I and mean, he's one of the better on-ball defenders, especially at the point guard spot in the league. But he also weighs fifteen to twenty pounds more than Halliburton, despite having like similar, you know, length and height and stuff. So if Halliburton can pack on another fifteen to twenty pounds within an NBA, you know, workout room and stuff, then I think you start to worry a little bit less about that point of attack issue defensively. But even at a hunt, even at his size right now at one seventy five, I mean, you're even the smallest point guards in the league are, are going to be able to come at you a little bit and throw a shoulder in you, and uh, and that could be a concern. And, and yeah, so defensively, that's my, that's my main, that's the main issue there, even though I would still bet on him figuring it out, even if he's never Lonzo ball good or Marcus smart, good, or, you know, whatever, like that level of defender at the point of attack, I at least expect him to try really hard and know where to be. And so he'll, I think he can, I think he bottoms out as an average defender. I don't think despite the size issues, he's going to be a bad defender.
3: Well said. Yeah. It, it limits his upside, but that does not mean that he's going to be a bad defender, a hardened whatever. Um, but yeah, it does limit how, you know, like you said, it, it means he's not going to be Marcus smart or Lonzo ball or, you know, Andre Guadal or anything like that, as far as his defensive ability right. goes. And then the one that is, you know, my main concern uh, as you know, I'm a big, I like the three point shot and he did shoot great in college. He, you know, almost 43% in those two years, not a huge sample size, uh, just over a hundred makes and the shot, it's just, it's herky jerky and weird. And it doesn't mean, I mean, the, the most important thing is whether it goes in or not, but there have been examples of guys who can make the shot in college and struggle in the pros. I mean, Lonzo Ball is one of the guys you brought up. He shot, uh, 41% in the one year at UCLA with that weird kind of around the world jump shot he has. And even though this was his best year in the pros, Lonzo shot 37 and a half percent from three this year, uh, his first two years were at 30% and then 33%. So it just, sometimes it doesn't translate. Uh, Sometimes the weird, you know, motion uh, can hurt a player, but again, if it works, it works,
1: but that is something that I'm worried about limit it's it's a good worry cuz as a spot up shooter he's very good and those numbers mostly reflect him as a spot up shooter but if he's going to be a guy who has the ball in his hands primarily then it does limit and we've saw this at Iowa state it sort of limits what he can do off the what he can do off the dribble right and if he's got this stiff kind of weird form then you do wonder if he'll ever be able to become an off the dribble type of offensive player or if he's going to be limited to basically you know, rage on Rondo type stuff where when the ball is, is in his hands and he's dribbling, you kind of know he's about to get rid of it. Right. And so you could play off of him. Whereas when he's playing off the ball, now he's just trying to get around screens and he becomes a shooter, which look, you like the versatility, but if you're the warriors and you're looking for, or you're anybody and you're picking at the top of this draft and you're looking for a future all-star future building block, you know, face of the franchise type guy, then I, I do think that there's a ceiling there with Halliburton. If he can't, uh, quicken up like if you can't hasten up the form the shooting form and uh and become a better off the dribble type of player uh type of shooter and then my other issue with him offensively is I I like I like that he's got the floater game I like that he's got the footwork in the lane and that stuff I didn't mention at the top in the first segment but Mm -hmm. it he does tend to um default back to those things and shy away from getting contact at the rim and you know that's just if you're going to be an on-ball player, if you could draw fouls, it's such a big thing. Um, so he's not he's not great at at trying at throwing his shoulder into guys, inviting contact into his finishes, and then uh, along with that, I think that he can afford to tighten up his dribble a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I think if when and so I guess all of this kind of ties together, right? Is that as far as being an on-ball threat, he needs to. to to develop that jump shot a little bit more off the dribble, tighten his handle and then learn to finish in the, in through people uh, at the rim.
3: Yeah. I mean, you know, that that's, that's one of the main things. And that again goes to his uh, part of it is his lack of lack of bulk, lack of size, yeah. lack of strength that, that comes with being, you know, 175 pounds. So it's something that he could potentially improve upon, but it's just, it's a concern coming in. Um, and you know, even if he doesn't improve upon those things, is he still good enough in in other aspects that you can live with it? You know, that's that's one of the questions. Is you know, you get to the draft, is you have to project what you think a player is going to be, and if they can't get that, do you still get enough out of them to make it worth a uh, worth the pick? But I mean, you you nailed it with the uh mm-hmm. the being afraid of contact at the rim, which is also that's a, a skill is being able to get fouled and go to the line. He's 82% uh, free throw shooter. So, I mean, that is a, uh, a, a weapon that he should be able to utilize. And, you know, we just didn't see a ton of that in college.
0: Welcome back to Locked on NBA Draft. I'm still your host, Leif Tulane, and we're still talking about the game of Tyrese Halliburton. I see Halliburton as a guy who can play the point guard position at a high level, using his height to see over the defense and distribute with his great basketball IQ. In many teams that are looking at Halliburton, the Hawks, for example, at six are banking on his ability to be effective off-ball, playing alongside Trey Young, spelling him on-ball but being able to space the floor with his 42.6% three-point shooting percentage through two years at Iowa State, despite his low, wonky release. He shoots the ball very well off the catch, but could stand to improve his off-the-bounce three-point shooting that is becoming more and more important to have. Others value his on-ball skills like the Bulls, who would want him to be a lead distributor. Halliburton concerns may due to his weight, or lack thereof, and lack of elite lateral movement. But I think he's a coach's dream with intelligent offensive reads and defensive rotations, and his 6'8 wingspan alleviates some other concerns on the defensive side of the ball. But he will fare better at defending ones than twos until he gains a significant amount of weight, but then needs to improve his technique fighting over screens. I have a weird comparison of him being somewhere in between Lonzo Ball and Shea Gilligis-Alexander. Those are my thoughts on the talented guard from Iowa State, and here, locked on Bulls host Jordan Malley and Matt Peck's thoughts on Tyrese Halliburton, who I mentioned could be a target for the Bulls at number four.
2: There had been talks, Matt, that Halliburton a few months ago might be it. Might be a little bit too rich to take him in the top five, and him being a little bit more of an experienced player. I know he's a longer type guard, too, intrigues a lot of teams, and I would be more intrigued to see the Bulls in terms of what they could do with that pick if another team below them in, say, five, six, seven, eight, nine wanted to move up to 4 to take Halliburton there. But even if the Bulls wanted to move down, if he slipped, I think he would be an excellent option next to Kobe White. What was your overall impression reading and uh, doing your homework on Halliburton? What were things that stood out to you about his game? So,
4: yeah, after doing a deeper dive on Halliburton, I think I came away feeling like the thing I want to see happen in this draft is the bulls trading down and snagging Halliburton while getting another asset because people have been talking about LaMelo. We just heard officially earlier today from, from a draft uh, source that LaMelo is planning on talking with the bulls and Charlotte and golden state. In addition to having just talked with Minnesota, the team currently with the number one pick, um, so there was a little bit of clarification there because you and I talked recently about how Lamelo's answer was basically a non-answer when he was asked whether or not he had talked to the Bulls or was planning on meeting with them. And then, of course, Killian Hayes, the other top point guard prospect uh, at the top tier of this draft class, um, a guy that w- we talked to Shinowski about a little bit when he was on the pod a couple weeks back saying, you know, obviously some great playmaking ability, uh, worried about the left hand dominance and the, the inability to shoot. Obviously, Lamelo shooting is a concern as well. To me, Halliburton could end up being a great fit for the other part of this puzzle. And we were talking about it with uh, our interview with Elias Schuster just earlier this week, that being Kobe White and what the Bulls plan to do with him. Earlier today, Casey Johnson uh, put out his latest mailbag column for NBCSportsChicago.com, said that he's hearing the new front office sees Kobe as more of a scoring guard than a point guard, uh, but that they are in fact, enamored with Kobe white. I like Tyrese Halliburton as a guy who could play both of those positions. I love his playmaking ability and his court vision. Uh, you know, his assist to turnover ratio at Iowa state was really impressive. Uh, whether that's in the half court offense or in transition, he's clean with the ball. He makes great reads and great passes. And he's also a pretty reliable off ball player. He shoots the ball well from behind the three point line. I I do think there's a little bit of concern with his shot form right now. It's kind of like a set shot, like, like a, a a less egregious version of Sean Marion, you know, not quite that low of a release point, but certainly a set shot. But he knocks it down consistently. So if he can maybe adjust a little bit, get the release point a little bit higher, but keep his form to you know knock down that three point shot. Playing off the ball, he could be very efficient if you want to kind of like let him and Kobe take turns being ball dominant or let him and Zach Levine take turns being ball dominant. I really like the concept of trading down for Halliburton right now.
2: He makes the the most sense, and you know, like you were even just mentioning some of his weaknesses, like a low shot profile. Wasn't that some, something people talked about Kobe White with? Too the main concern about him is like, oh, Kobe White's never going to be able to get off a three the way he shoots. He comes, it's it's like basically at the chest when he fires it off. And I mean, look at his stats last year. It didn't look to me like he had any problem or issues with getting a shot off and getting one off quickly. So I don't have as much concern about the ability to fix somebody's shot, especially with Donovan coming in and bringing staff members in too, to be able to do that. I think it's way easier to teach and to fix a guy's shot than it is to train a guy to be a defensive help and just to be disciplined on the defensive side of the ball and actually aggressive and active. And I think that's something that Halliburton can provide for this Bulls team. I'm reading one of the profiles right now back from early February on Halliburton. I found this pretty fascinating map. It says Halliburton's an ultra, ultra efficient shooter, especially for a player with a usage rate of 22.4%. Halliburton has never shot less than 50% from the field and 40% from three in either of his first two seasons of college basketball. Also takes pretty good care of the ball, averaging around three and a half to one assist to turnover ratio for his career. He's got active Active feet and hands as a rebounder, complete, competes and is adept at jumping in the passing lanes. Like check, check, check and check. Those all sound like things that the Bulls had been working towards. And like this core group of guys, the Bulls that the Bulls are going to try to build around, you want guys that are going to be good in running in transition, guys that are going to get their hands in passing lanes, guys that are lengthy and can be versatile defenders. I think if you move down for a, another guard that's going to be a playmaker like Halliburton could be, you also need to have upside and strengths on the defensive side of the ball. And so. I, I still have some questions if they decide to go with him at four, but certainly if they decide to move down and gain an asset and still feel like he's the best player, he's the guy that they wanted no matter what. I think that's a total total win for this Bulls team. Is there anything anything that that um, made you a little bit cause for concern about drafting Halliburton?
4: Uh, well, so you know, as I previously mentioned, the uh, the low release point of his shot is slightly concerning. But as you said, I mean, it didn't seem to be a problem in college. He knocked down 41.5% of his three point attempts. Uh, no, I'm sorry, 42.5% between his two years at Iowa State. Um, th- another potential issue with me is his defensive footwork. Um, on the tape that I watched, there's still a lot of work to be done there. But at least at the college level, he made up for a lot of that with his, with his size and his length, you know, as, as a guard who's six five and has a seven foot wingspan, you know, you mentioned the passing lanes just a minute ago. I, I like that. He can uh, get his hands in some of those passing lanes, despite not maybe having the, the the best defensive footwork, both on the ball and off the ball. But if he can tweak that a little bit um, and, and continue to you know use that size, um, that that's, you know, encouraging for me. And then speaking of that size, I, I love the length, as I mentioned, but I, I would like to see him try to build out his frame a little bit because he can get bullied and get bodied by some of the bigger players that he faced at the college level. So, you know, that that's only going to get harder at the NBA level.
0: The Bulls very well could be selecting Halliburton at 4 or later down in the draft with a draft day trade due to a complimentary fit with Kobe White. Many see him as the fourth best prospect in this draft and among those who believe that is Chad Ford, who has Halliburton ranked 4th on his big board. A point guard, shooting guard out of Iowa State a
5: sophomore can really play both positions, great versatility. Great intangibles off the court. Uh, Scouts really love everything that they hear about him. Great feel for the game, creates offense for himself. He is probably the most NBA ready of the prospects that we're talking about here at the top. And it's just one of these guys that maybe lacks that sexiness factor to get him a spot or two higher in this draft. This is like settling for the guy I think most teams see that has starter potential in the NBA, perhaps like really good starter uh, potential in the NBA. But it's hard for NBA teams to project him at like a superstar level where I think they, they can talk themselves into that with LaMelo Ball, with James Wiseman, with Anthony Edwards. Halliburton, is that's that's a harder conversation that I've heard scouts sort of having for him, which is why he sort of sits next to that next tier. But I, I love his game. I think he's an interesting prospect for any team that would take him. I wouldn't personally shy away from taking him at, like, number two with the Golden State Warriors. I think that he, in many ways might be the prospect in this draft that would add something to that team next year as they try to compete for a championship. Uh, Though you can make the argument that they should just develop a young player that maybe has more upside. Uh, I just really like Halliburton. I think a lot of teams do as well. There's a few that have him ranked lower and on our projections, he goes uh, draft ranges three to 10. Uh, So there are some teams that definitely have him lower and you're gonna hear this over and over again as a
0: reoccurring theme. Those are Chad Ford's thoughts on Tyrese Hallibur and here are locked on Hawks host Brad Rollins on the player his Hawks may well be taking should they keep the sixth pick in the NBA draft.
6: Basically, I've seen him mocked very, very high. Um, I both get it, and I also don't get it in some ways. He's a super bizarre prospect, and not in a bad way. I've always kind of liked Halliburton, and now I feel like I don't, which is uh, unfortunate because I've always been high on him. I think the the love fest is a little bit out of control right now in some respects, but 6'5", with a legit 6'10"-ish wingspan. He's extremely long, a little bit older. He'll be 21 in February, so uh, you know a year-plus older than Maxi, for instance. Um, definitely very weird, but shoots the ball really well. 43% from three over two seasons in college. Kind of a weird shot, but it always went in in college. Great defensive metrics in terms of blocks and steals for his size in college, and he's an incredibly good passer, um, good body control guy, et cetera. On the flip side, there are some weaknesses. Uh, you know, Athletically, he's not a, a bursty guy at all. Like He's very limited for a backcourt player in terms of athleticism and burst. Um, and I think the point guard ideal kind of ends there for me but we'll come back to that and then defensively his feel is awesome like he's a really really smart basketball player on both ends of the floor but he's not strong at all Uh, he got picked on I thought quite a bit actually in college as a one-on-one on-ball guy and I worry about him being picked on in the NBA in a one-on-one matchup because he's just not physically strong at all he's gonna get stronger but uh his off-ball defense is much better than his on-ball defense right now so we'll see how that all goes
0: Brad Roland brings up an excellent point there that in college he was picked on a little bit due to his weight and not fabulous lateral movement. And that will only be exacerbated in the NBA with bigger, stronger, faster guys. For a team like the Hawks that Brad covers, does that mean we will see them pass on Tyrese due to a lack of defense when they already struggle mightily on defense from the other guard spot especially? We will see on Wednesday night, which is fast approaching. Well, that's it for Locked On NBA Draft. We will have more draft prospects to come in the remaining days leading up to the draft on November 18th, so you know where to get all your information on your favorite teams and prospects. Check out the episodes on other potential lottery picks, LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, and any other episodes out. And make sure to listen to the next episode on top 10 pick, potentially, Auburn defensive stud Isaac Okoro. Thank you for listening to Locked on NBA Draft. I'm Leif Tuleen.